Weekdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm Nabil Biadjo in Washington, working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Friday, July 22nd, 2022. A new rebel movement attacked and captured Mayum County in South Sudan's unity state. It is with favor uh, that I would like to confirm to listeners of VOA that uh, rebels loyal to Renegade General Stephen Waironyang has suspended the commission of Mayom County Honorable James Shaw. And calm returns to Sudan's Blue Nile state after deadly violence that killed dozens and displaced thousands. Markets and shopping centers have reopened with a capacity of 75% and citizens are now accessing some essential commodities. These are some essential services that are very important to the people, so the situation now is better than before. We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Authorities in Unity State say a new rebel group captured Mayum County today and killed at least 10 people, including the local commissioner. The South Sudan People's Defense Forces spokesperson, Lul Roy Kwang, says SSPDF forces have been dispatched to the area to arrest the perpetrators and restore calm. Dengai Deng reports for VOA Fombor. South Sudan People Defense Force spokesperson Major General Lul Roy Kong confirms a group of armed soldiers loyal to renegade leader Stephen Boy killed Mayom County Commissioner James Twal Galwak and nine other people, including Galwak's bodyguards, in Mayom Town this morning. It is with uh, favor that I would like to confirm to listeners of VOA that uh, on 22nd of July at around 2 a.m., Rebels loyal to renegade General Stephen Waironyang uh, are suspected the commission of Mayom County, Honorable James Shaw. In Mayom Town, the headquarters of Mayom County, United States, uh, with nine others, including some of his bodyguards. And that was a very clear political assassination. It was a, an assassination of a political figure. Unity State Information Minister David Guy says tensions remain high in Mayom County as rebels remain in control of the area. Guy says residents are fleeing the area for safety in nearby bushes and villages. There was a, a similar fighting that there are structures, uh, the commission of counties, central area. Uh, we killed three people, which is not yet confirmed, and the commissioner himself was killed inside the house with uh, two bodyguards and burning inside the house. Gerald Kong says SSPDF soldiers have been ordered to apprehend the perpetrators and restore law and order in Mayom County. The Kyoto forces have launched uh, a massive manhunt for the attacker. They will be brought to book. They will pay a very huge price for the crime they have committed. Whoever claim responsibility, give us a good reason for that person to be a target. It is a declaration of war on the people of Mayom, people of Unity State, and on the people of South Sudan. In a letter dated July 22nd, seen by South Sudan in focus and signed by General Stephen Boy Rolnyang, a group calling itself the South Sudan People's Army claimed responsibility for the attack in Mayom County. Gerald Boy said, quote, 
Our people have been tribalized by the regime in Juba. They are unable to work together to achieve justice and freedom, to confide in each other. End quote. Boy went on to say all forms of peaceful and nonviolent means have failed. Adding, quote, we are left only with an armed resistance to liberate our people by unseating this despotic regime in shortest time possible and install a democratic system of governance in the Republic of South Sudan, end quote. Major General Stephen Boy Rolnyang, the former commander of the 5th Infantry Division of the SSPDF, was arrested by the National Security Service in late 2018 in Mayom County. Boy was transferred to Juba for detention after being tied with treason, rebellion and other offenses under the 2009 SPLA Act. In August 2019, although he pleaded not guilty to all accusations, a military court in Juba found Boy guilty as charged stripped him of his rank and dismissed him from the army. He was sentenced to one year in prison. Boy later declared he had joined General Paul Malung's South Sudan United Front shortly after President Salva Kiir pardoned him. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. General Stephen Boy, who commands the forces that attacked Mayom County and killed its commissioner today, says his South Sudan People's Movement, a rebel group that he formed last year, aims to fight and overthrow the government in Juba. He says today's attack was a retaliation for an early attack the government forces carried out against his forces. What happened in, in Mayom this morning was a retaliation for an attack on our location at the place called Bong area. On July 21st, 2022, by Major General Shual Galwak, the overall commander of regime pro militias based in Mayom County. And he is himself a commissioner by, at the same time. So, together with the, with the commander of area commander of ISPDF, commander of 4th Infantry Division, they organized an attack on our location, killing one of our soldiers and wounded another one. So our forces responded by attacking uh, them, the commissioner and the commander of Force Infantry Division in Mayom as our prime target, in which the house of the commissioner was hit by rocket propelled grenades, resulting to his demise inside the house. So that is what had happened. When you say they attacked your position, who are you? Because I understand you were with the South Sudan United Front, led by General Paul Malongawan. No, no, no. I'm not. We are not with. Uh, we are not with Paul Malongawan. We 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 have already full out from Paul Malongawan and formed our uh, our movement called South Sudan People Movement, South Sudan People Arms (LSPMA). So this is a new rebellion you are forming, basically. Yeah, we have formed a new movement called South Sudan People's Movement and South Sudan People's Army uh, with the aim and objective to defeat the despotic regime and to install a federal democratic system of government in the Republic of South Sudan. So we formed last year, we formed it last year. We, with the aim, with the aim and objective to unseat, to overthrow the regime and to install the democratic system of government in the Republic of South Sudan to allow the people of South Sudan to choose their leaders in a free and fair election. And, and where are you now, General? Are you in Mayom? I'm, I'm not in Mayom. I'm, I'm on the border of, of South Sudan with Sudan. Why aren't you on the ground in Mayom leading your forces? I'm on the, I'm, I'm on the ground. I'm on the ground. I said, when I say border on South Sudan, 
uh, South Sudan with Sudan mean that uh, between Mayom and, and Sudan, that is the border. So that is my headquarters. Uh, South Sudan leaders are trying to complete the implementation of a of a peace agreement they signed four years ago to silence the guns and restore peace and stability in the country, take the nation to elections. Why is start a rebellion now? There is no peace, there is no real peace in the country. So even there will be no even election. There will be more wars at the end of the interim period. So we we are the one outside. We have not signed that agreement. We are non signatory to that agreement. So we, we don't we have we have no link with that uh, with that whether they are going for election or they are not going for election. So we are outside that uh, that agreement. We are not there. Yes, General Boy, some people say you are a disgruntled individual and you are angry with the government because of personal reasons. We remember you were stripped of your rank and you rebelled, you joined uh, Paul Malonga one. And then now you say you pull out and you're starting a new movement. Some people say you're motivated by personal reasons. It was not my intention to fight this war. It is because I was pushed to the limit by the regime. And I had no choice but to fight for my right and the right of the people of South Sudan. Rescue them from the despotic regime. I was arrested twice in 2016 and 2018 is by the regime all on breathless accusation that I wanted to join the insurgency. I was attacked in my young town, Unity State, on the, on the 31st of May 20, 2018 by government pro-Malaysia based in Mayom, uh, with order from the former chief of defense force, killing two of my bodyguards and with the two others. So it is, it is personal to you? It was not personal. It was not. I was forced to. I was forced into action. It was not personal. Now, what is your next move after attacking Mayom? My next move is to fight the government, fight the regime uh, in all fronts, in all fronts where my forces are. But now, General, you have attacked uh, Mayom. Uh, the South Sudan People's Defense Forces will move in uh, to fight you, and it's war all over again. Uh, how many fighters do you command? We have we have forces to fight. We know how to fight them. As we as we started by young, we started somewhere also in in Baragazal and also in oil field. We have forces. That was General Stephen Bwai, leader of the rebel group. The South Sudan People's Movement Army is speaking with me from a border area between South Sudan and Sudan. The Reconstituted Joint Monitoring and Evaluation Commission, or RJMAC, which monitors the implementation of South Sudan's peace deal, is calling on the unity government to expedite the process of adopting a new roadmap for carrying out the agreement. At RJMAC's 23rd meeting on the status of peace implementation in South Sudan yesterday, the commission's interim chairperson urged the government to set a date for graduating and redeploying the unified forces. Deng Gaideng has the details for VOA Fombor. Last week, a team of Toft government officials submitted a roadmap to President Salva Kiir at the State House J1. The draft proposal is meant to guide the country toward the end of the transitional period and pave the way for peaceful and credible elections. RJ McChairperson Charles Taigetwai urged the government to adopt the roadmap and schedule a date for the graduation and redeployment of the unified forces. 
I would like to make the following recommendations. Urge the RTGNU to fast track the process of the consideration and adoption of the agreed final roadmap. Urge the RTGNU to urgently set the date for the graduation and redeployment of the unified forces and the commencement of phase two and the DDR process. Urge the RTGNU to seriously address the increasing incidences of community-based violence across the country. Gitoai also urged the unity government to fast-track procedures to import relief supplies to humanitarian groups so they can help the neediest South Sudanese. And he appealed to all partners of South Sudan to continue supporting the bodies that monitor the peace deal. I appeal to all partners and friends of South Sudan to continue supporting RJ Mekasis and FIEM and the full implementation of the Arakans. And I appeal to Aratigny to allocate adequate funds for the implementation of the agreement, including the nationals within the mechanisms, service delivery, livelihoods, and constitution-making process in the 2022-2023 budget. Last week, the U.S. Department of State announced it was ending support for reconstituted joint monitoring and evaluation commission and the ceasefire and transitional security arrangements, monitoring and verification mechanism, saying South Sudan's leaders had failed to implement commitments they made to bring peace to South Sudan. Ambassador Gitwai says some progress has been made in bringing the South Sudan Opposition Movement Alliance, the umbrella group led by General Paul Malong and Pagana Amom into the ceasefire and transitional security arrangements, monitoring and verification mechanism, or Citizen VM. Citizen VM recently completed an induction training in Rome, Italy, of national monitors representing the South Sudan Opposition Movement Alliance, SOMA, of General Paul Malong and Pagan Amum. They are now expected to be integrated with the Citizen VM monitoring and verification team by mid-August. I would like to encourage the other groups of SOMA, allied to the National Salvation Front, NAS, of General Thomas Trillo, to join the dialogue in good faith towards finding a lasting solution. South Sudan Cabinet Affairs Minister Stephen Ilya Lomoro said yesterday the adoption of the roadmap for peace implementation is under discussion at the presidency and is expected to be agreed upon soon by parties to the 2018 peace agreement. The presidency will have an extended meeting which will include representatives of the parties to the agreement to now listen to the roadmap and make their contributions as necessary. So indeed the roadmap we committed ourselves to develop will be born today and hopefully owned by the parties to the agreement. Stephen Parkwal, the Minister of Peace Building, who is also Secretary of the National Transitional Committee, urged the Minister of Finance and Economic Planning to release funds for graduating the unified forces. He called on the African Union and the international community to continue supporting the implementation of the peace mechanisms. Last week, a U.S. diplomat in South Sudan urged the country's leaders to show a sense of urgency and complete the remaining task in the deal before the end of the transitional periods. The acting charge affairs at the U.S. Embassy in Juba, William Flens, said it is difficult for people to see how peace can be achieved when there are so many pockets of violence, instability, and basic needs not being met across the country. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America.
South Sudanese lawmakers at the East Africa Legislative Assembly are urging the Kiir administration to pay the country's membership fees, which total nearly $40 million. A South Sudanese lawmaker says the South Sudan delegation in the East African Legislative Assembly is ashamed that the government has not paid the fees. Sheila Pony has more for VOA from Juba. Anna Ito, one of the South Sudanese lawmakers at the East Africa Legislative Assembly, is urging the government to pay its membership fee. Uh, South Sudan has, we have not been paying our membership. We owe about 39 million US dollars to the East African community. It is an accumulation of non-payment that actually brought us to that kind of arrears. We should take our membership seriously, pay our membership fee. It all says the government's delay in paying up the EAC fees puts the country's representatives in the regional assembly in jeopardy. But how would you feel like if your country doesn't pay? It does cause a deficit in the, in the budget because the budget of East African community is based on the membership contribution. If one member state does not pay, it means towards the end of the year, there won't be enough money to cover the plan activities. We are eating from the neighbors without deserving because we haven't paid. According to Article 146 of the East African Community Treaty, members may suspend a partner state from participating in EAC activities if the country fails to observe and fulfill the fundamental principles and objectives of the treaty, including failure to meet financial commitments to the community within an 18-month period. The treaty also says a partner state suspended shall cease to enjoy the benefits provided for under the treaty, but shall continue to be by membership obligation until the suspension is lifted. South Sudan author General Stephen Wundu, who was recently appointed chairperson of the East African Audit Commission, says the government has the political will to pay up its EAC membership fees. As the matter of payments, being a South Sudanese senior government official in Juba, I do not have evidence to show lack of political will. I know, what do you know? Recently, the president himself ordered a release of $100 million for payment of arrears of our obligations. The chairperson of the Specialized Committee on the Regional Integration at the National Legislative Assembly, Iche Leki Barry, says it's not only at the EAC that South Sudan has defaulted in paying its membership fees. Barry says Juba has yet to pay its fees at the African Parliamentary Union, the Intergovernmental Authority on Development and the African Union. It is, a, it is a big problem for the country and it has actually put our reputation on the line in the sense that we are not fulfilling our financial obligations to regional bodies which we are members and party to. Barry says the Secretary General of the East African Community and the EAC Speaker visited South Sudan two weeks ago and met with President Salfakir. 
He says Mr. Kerr assured the two officials his government would pay all of its arrears but did not specify a date. Barry says he thinks it will happen soon. We actually, hopefully, you know, in the course of this week or next week, something something, you know, substantive is going to materialize and this issue of arrears will be sorted. However, we are still of the opinion the arrears which South Sudan, you know, owes, you know, Iala, currently it is roughly in the tune of uh, 39 million, if you put it, plus the subscription of the new financial year, it will come to around 46, 47 million. We believe South Sudan should not pay that money all in, in, in total, but part of it should be waived. It all says South Sudan enjoys many benefits from its membership in the EAC and urged the government to pay its dues. Most of the members in the East African community were actually working very closely with the SPLM during the liberation struggle. They contributed to bringing us to where we are. And there is no other better place for us to be rather than to go to our brothers and sisters who are supporting us during the liberation struggle. Article 47 empowers EAC member countries to expel a member state from the community for gross and persistent violation of the principles and objectives of the treaty after giving such partners state 12 months written notice. For VOA News, I am Sheila Pony in Juba. Life is gradually returning to normal in a Damazin town of Sudan's Blue Nile state after last week's deadly fighting. An official with the Blue Nile Civil Society Forum says markets partially reopened yesterday and citizens are moving around the town despite heavy deployment of security forces. Michael Atit has the details for VOA from Khartoum. An Al-Damazin town resident in Blue Nile State says life is gradually returning to normal after fighting that broke out between two tribes, killed more than 100 according to local officials. Abdullah Ati Muhammad Al-Faki, a member of the Blue Nile Civil Society Forum, told South Sudan in focus via messaging application from Ad-Damazin that most shops, markets and public institutions have reopened. Markets and shopping centers have reopened with a capacity of 75% and citizens are now accessing some essential commodities. Some banks have also reopened. These are some essential services that are very important to the people so the situation now is better than before. Sudanese medical doctors say the death toll has risen to 105 and more than 200 others were injured during the three days of fighting. The United Nations estimates that about 14,000 people, mostly women and children, have been displaced and are living in a congested situation in school buildings across the town of Aldamazin and Rosaris. Al-Faki describes the living conditions of displaced families as miserable. Children, elderly and women are in serious needs of san- proper sanitation. They need an urgent intervention so that their lives come back to normal. Other humanitarian agencies have discovered two other displaced camps in Azaza and East Ghanish today, which are located in the east of Al-Damazin town. In a statement released on Tuesday, the United Nations estimated that 14,000 people, mainly women and children, have been sheltering in public buildings across Adamazin in extremely crowded conditions. 
UN Humanitarian Coordinator in Sudan, Khardieta Londiaye, says the humanitarian aid agencies are working hard to assist the displaced persons. The health sector partners are providing emergency health services that include kits and medicines, enough for about uh, 30,000 treatments. We are receiving requests to expand the field capacity of Damazindo Hospital to cope with the growing caseload, and uh, humanitarian partners are very seriously and actively looking into it. The UN official says the clashes are occurring at a time when humanitarian needs in Sudan are already at an all-time high, with more than 14 million people requiring some form of life-saving assistance. Al-Faki says heavy security deployment could still be seen on the streets of Adamazin and other locations as the government tried to restore calm to the area. Since the beginning of the crisis last week, the government has issued a curfew in the town from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. till further notice. It deployed additional forces in the area, and there were some medical supplies that arrived from Khartoum. These have contributed positively towards the stability of the area. Intercommunal conflicts have been rampant in other parts of Sudan, especially in Darfur, Kordofan, and eastern Sudan, since the fall of long-time ruler Omar al-Bashir in April 2019. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum. We love to hear from you on our coverage of news and events. Here are some comments you sent us over the course of the week. This week, we heard from several of you about the coverage of the teachers arrested and detained in Rumbek and the state of education in South Sudan, such as Santo Agog in Kampala, Uganda, who writes, Hello, John Tanzan Nabil Biagio. The harassment is still progressing in Rumbek of Lake State under the Minister of General Education and Instruction. Teachers who are definitely detained for the last four weeks are still under arrest in Panda Prison Cell 1. If you turn your eyes to see the way they're suffering now, you can't talk about it. VOA should investigate again the Minister of Education, Minister of Parliamentary and Legal Affairs, and the Minister of Law and Enforcement to tell the facts. These teachers are suffering for nothing and the government of Rin Tuen is a government of facts, but I don't know how this happened. Someone from Rumbek who did not identify himself or herself says, Kudwal John and Nabil, as a citizen of Lake State, I strongly appeal to Governor Rin to order the release of our teachers and not to associate his good governance with people who use government powers to oppress their enemies. The detention of six teachers is already a deprivation and violation of their rights. Who is the government and who are the people? The people are the government. Moses Atiaba from Rumbeke Lake State says, High VOA absolutely education is very weak due to the interests of government and top authorities in the Ministry of Education because they have built quality houses at a time of low payment, delays of salaries, interference in the salaries of teachers and a lack of in-service training for teachers. No country can really develop unless its citizens are educated. Education is the most powerful weapon which we can use to change our nation. 
Slaber Isaac Hamiz of Yambio in Western Equatorial State says high VOA South Sudan in focus. It is very unfortunate to hear that the splinter group of the SPLM-IO known as the Kidguang faction have again disagreed among themselves. The SPLM government who inked an agreement with them should urgently fix the problem and implement what was agreed between the parties to avoid another war. South Sudanese are tired of war. Thanks. The comments expressed here do not reflect the views of VOA or of this program. We appreciate hearing from so many of you. Keep those comments coming. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. The United States is deeply concerned over the sentencing of prominent Vietnamese environmental activist Nui Thi Han to two years in prison. The winner of the prestigious Goldman Environmental Prize, Han worked for decades to promote a transition to sustainable energy sources and decrease her country's reliance on coal. Earlier this year, her office and her home were searched, and she was arrested on charges of tax evasion. U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price noted in a statement that Han is one of several environmental activists working for the benefit of Vietnam and its people who have been detained by the government. He pointed out that authorities arrested her on the same day the Hanoi People's Court sentenced other environmental activists, and later the same month, activists Don Lin Bach to prison terms on similar charges. The State Department's most recent report on human rights in Vietnam said that civil society activists alleged these arrests were linked to their criticism of the government's role in a number of environmental matters, particularly related to thermal power plant projects in the central part of the country and to advocacy for press freedom. Spokesperson Price called on the government of Vietnam to release Nui Thi Han, as well as other detained environmental activists. Civil society partners, he said, are a crucial part of helping countries like Vietnam meet their climate change and environmental protection goals. And, as Secretary of State Antony Blinken has said, a fully functioning civil society, rule of law, and individual liberties form the bedrock on which vibrant societies grow. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. And that's all we have for you this Friday. Thanks for allowing us into your homes, cars, and on your phones. Join us again tomorrow for another edition.